Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The LSU Tigers. LSU wins the BC. One team, one heartbeat. The New Orleans Hornets select Anthony Davis. Entertain Mardi Gras about to break out. Talk here. about my Saints. To the 20. Geis. Touchdown. Who that? This is the Chris Gordy Show. Good morning, New Orleans. Welcome into the Chris Gordy Show here on Sports 1280 New Orleans. It is a fine Thursday, October 5th, 2017. We are getting into the meat of football season, and hopefully some spring weather will be on its way. I'm sick of the humidity and the hotness. A little, uh, you know, in the 70s to start today. It'll it'll warm up from here. Uh, we got a big show for you lined up today. Bruce Feldman of Fox Sports 1 is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll get his thoughts as an outsider, from an outsider perspective, on LSU and Coach Ed Ogeron and where they go from here. You know, he followed Ed Ogeron years ago, writing that book, uh, Meat Market, when he followed him at Ole Miss and how he recruited and all that. So we'll get a perspective from Bruce Feldman at the bottom of the hour 905, we'll talk with our guy Greg Bedard, national uh, NFL writer that we have on every week. Get his thoughts on the Saints, evening up their record. And then bottom of the hour, Steve Sparks, uh, Astros radio color analyst, going to join us at 930 to talk about the Astros beginning their uh, playoff run today. They're taking on the Red Sox. It'll be an afternoon game. You can watch that on MLB Network, so... Uh, real excited, real excited for uh, MLB playoffs to get started. Excited for some good football. We got uh, what a good college game tonight with Louisville, NC State. We got uh, the Patriots taking on the Tampa Bay Bucks. And look, you know, if you're a Saints fan tonight, you got to be a Patriots fan. We want the Bucks have as many losses as possible. So uh, go Patriots tonight. And we'll talk with Greg Bedard about that game. I'm pretty sure he's covering it. But for now, we welcome in producer Mike Ball. New Orleans. It is baseball time. I'm excited. You watched the wild card game last night, Gordy? I did. It was pretty. It was pretty entertaining. It was pretty entertaining. It was nuts. It wasn't as nuts as the Yan- the Yankees Twins game was nuts. That was like three run homer and then another three run homer and then you literally didn't this watch the game. That. It was. It I was, did. It was hit after hit after hit after hit after hit and then you know at the end it was home runs, home runs and then you have a relief pitcher in there gets a two run triple. Yeah. It was nuts. I was I was amazed by that first career tri- or first triple by a relief pitcher in MLB playoff history. Yes, because relief pitchers probably don't you know typically don't hit at all, especially yeah. in the postseason. But when you have to go to your bullpen super early again, because all the pitchers, all the starting pitchers in the postseason so far have sucked. It's um that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna have to, you're gonna, one of your relief pitchers is gonna have to hit at some point. Our guy DJ Lemayu, uh, former LSU Tiger, there was a one of those hits was just right over his outstretched arm. I mean, DJ's big, and he's long, and he's got long arms. Just the ball went right over his glove and uh, scored some runs there late. But 
Um, look, everybody, nobody cares about the the Rockies. Diamond, Diamondbacks have a good team. They're both good they're teams. Go, it was fun. They're going to go into L.A. and it was take fun. on the Dodgers. It, it's fun drama, and that's one thing that baseball's gotten right, is the one-game wild-card playoff game. It's been awesome. Every single year, every game has been great. And it's the, the, the drama and the suspense is incredible. I got to think around these parts, the four teams people would care about, Yankees, Red Sox, mm-hmm. Cubs, and Astros. Well, good news, they're all in the playoffs. Right. No, I'm just saying, I think those are the four. I I mean, there's Braves fans in New Orleans, but let's face it, they're going to suck for a while. Well, yeah, and then they've got a GM, or they just (laughs) just fired their GM. He quit before then he got fired or whatever because he was a doofus and cheated. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, look, I I think... I think a lot of people locally should at least adopt the Astros. Like, it's an easy draw. It's five hours to the west. I mean, you can go to games on the weekends and stuff. And, and you know, if you got DirecTV or whatever, anything but Cox, you can get the Astros games. So, um, yeah, they're available all over the place and they're a fun team to watch. And you've seen all the offense that's gone on so far in the postseason in the two wildcard games. And that Astros team that's playing the three o'clock game today to start the postseason for the ALDS portion of it. That's the best offense in baseball, and they're yep. going to be a lot of fun to watch if you're into watching teams get a bunch, of, score a bunch of runs. But the pitching matchup today is pretty good. Yeah, so nine nine thirty, we'll talk with Steve Sparks, color analyst for the Astros. Really good pitching matchup today. Justin Verlander against Chris Sale. Verlander's been about one of the best pitchers in baseball for the past month, ever since he's he got traded Hell, to the like Astros. Two really two and a half months. And Chris Sale has been. I mean, he's going to win the Cy Young this year. He's just absolutely no, he's not. He should. No. Corey Kluber is, and Corey Kluber should. Well, I saw Rob Parker from Fox Sports 1 yesterday. Why are you taking Rob Parker's opinion seriously? Not only should he win the Cy Young, but he's the MVP. Because you could argue, without Chris Sale, the Red Sox don't go anywhere. Okay, you could argue the same with Corey Kluber. <laughs> I mean, like, well, that can you argue goes, that with anyone's ace? Yes, it's stupid. And Corey... <laughs> I, I'm never a the fan fact, of the, the argument that, of a of a pitcher winning MVP. No, I was never in Justin Verlander's. That's what the today, Cy Young yes, award is. is Verlander's is one of those guys that's done it, and there's been a few. But the Cy Young is, yeah, the MVP award basically of the pitchers. So keep it to that. No pitcher should be winning it unless you do something stupid. All right, here's how you can get involved in the, with the show if you want to. 504-260-1280. 504-260-1280. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Chris Gordy. He is at MC790. Or you can email the show, Chris, at sports1280.com. Of course, you can always check out our podcast on the free iHeartRadio app or on the website, sports1280.com. Here's the headlines for today. The Ed Ogeron Coaches Show was last night, Michael. Highly entertaining, a little awkward, but, you know, of all weeks, last week after the Syracuse game, the phones mysteriously didn't work. And then they work this week, the week after you lose to Troy, the week where you snap your, what, 49-game non-conference win streak, the, mm-hmm. the game where you you know, you know haven't lost to a, a team like that in 17 years at Tiger Stadium. Mysteriously, the phone lines did work this week, and they took a lot of calls, so we'll play a couple of those for you throughout the morning. Very entertaining, very awkward, but hey, it is what it is. A lot of people don't believe in Coach O. Also on that front, first we had a players-only meeting. Now we've had a gut-check meeting. Joe Oliva met with Ed Ogeron and the two coordinators earlier this week to discuss accountability and who's you know who's the blame. We just lost to Troy. Whose shoulders does the blame fall on? So they had that discussion. And then, uh, you know, look, so they're starting to get healthier. Darius Geis and Rashard Lawrence are both expected to play this Saturday. So good news on that front. 
And then on the Saints front, they lose another player to injured reserve for the season. Alex Anzalone is headed to injured reserve and mm. sucks. He was one of the young guys, really stood out all throughout training camp in the preseason. Really liked what I was seeing out of him, but he had the nagging shoulder injuries that, that bugged him at Florida. And it looks like it's carrying over to the NFL. And Alex Anzalone placed on injured reserve, so... Not good. It stings. Not good at all. You got some time to find some. If you can find somebody in the streets, so keep your keep your eyes peeled, Saints. Yeah, you know, look. A year ago, Craig Robertson led the team in tackles, so you know he'll just have to play a bigger role as you move forward this year. But you know, look. Just a few days after you find out Zach Streif is going to injured reserve, and now you now you put Alex Anzalone on IR, it just sucks. I mean, look, Teron Armstead should come back soon. You know, Delvin Bro probably in the next couple of weeks. But again, you, you just can't have guys going on IR. You, you, you need to be healthy if you want this team to be competitive and, and make a run in the second half of the season. But, you know, I think as far as the linebackers go, we're going to see this this guy Gabe Martin that they just signed off the street. We'll, we'll probably see him get a little playing time in there as, uh, you know, next week against the Lions. But at least with the bye week this week, you get him a little, you know, some time to get in there and adjust. And then you got other guys. You know, you got Teo, who's played well. You got, uh, you know, AJ Klein, who's looked good. Nate Stupar's, you know, been playing a good bit. So, anyway, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see whether the Saints go from here uh, in the next. It's gonna suck of weeks. not having a game this weekend to watch with them. I, I just, I when you get to the bye, you always think, man, it's gonna be nice to have a break. But I guess it's so early in the season that I'm not. I'm just not down for the break yet, and I'm gonna miss it a lot. Well, you know, you get it out of the way early. I'm I'm fine with that, but. You know, you get a chance to look at some other teams and root against some other teams. Like I said, you you get going tonight with with Bucks Patriots. So we say go Patriots tonight. Beat beat the Buccaneers. Yeah, definitely. Go Pats. We hate you, but go Pats. And the the Panthers at the Lions this weekend. You know this this I'm a little torn on because the Lions are the Saints' next opponent. They you, want, you want them to be riding high coming in? Well, I don't know. I mean, like do we want them to win to beat the Panthers because that gives the Panthers a loss. But then, I mean, you got this four-one dangerous Lions team coming into the Superdome. You know, they riding high, going, "Hey, we're we're going every time out of the Saints." Yeah, that's something that I I get your standpoint on. But anytime that a division opponent is facing somebody and you'd prefer them to lose, I'm going to go ahead and vote or root for the team to beat them. So, uh, go go Lions, go go get them. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So this week we're Patriots fans, we're Lions fans. So the, Fal- the Falcons are off this week, right? Uh, I believe. Yeah, so. Yeah, they they have their buy as well. Yeah, that's right. So. Anyway, uh, we've got a whole lot of stuff we got to get into, but let's start first with uh, Joe Oliva, this meeting with Ed Ogeron, the hey. coordinators, to, quote, tell it how it is. This is good. This is our buddy Ross Dellinger wrote this piece in the uh, Baton Rouge Advocate. He said, the meetings in LSU's football operations facility Monday were not limited to a players-only meeting. LSU's AD Joe Oliva met with head coach Ed Ogeron, his two coordinators, and what Coach O described as a very positive gathering about the program's direction. He said Wednesday, Oliva and Ogeron called the meeting, and it was triggered, he admitted, by last week's loss to Troy, LSU's first non-conference home loss in 17 years. The discussions between Matt Canada, Dave Aranda, Ogeron, and Oliva unfolded in Coach O's office, and they centered on, quote, accountability, a source familiar with the discussion said. The four left the meeting in agreement on the direction of the program. Source said it was a gut-check meeting. It was more that guys need to look each other in the eye Tell each other how it is. Coach O said, I think the reason why Joe wanted to do it, and I wanted to do it, because we're not playing very well. We all know that. We wanted to see what we could correct. We threw everything out on the table. I thought it was very positive. 
Coach reiterated, laid everything out on the table, what direction we're going to go, how we can fix it. It's been a very positive week. Joe and I meet all the time. So let's bring in the coordinators. Let's talk to them, see what's going on. We feel like we have two very good coordinators. We wanted He wanted to know what was going on, what we could do better. We all got on the same page. So uh, if you can read between the lines here. You Joe, leave his button into a place that he shouldn't be? Well, you know, he he's done that before. I'm really starting to not like him. <laughs> Just now? Well, it's, yeah, I, I, I always mean, want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I like it's really starting to turn for me. People have hated he, him from day one. Yeah, I mean, he just seems like he's a dude. He, 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 outside of looking like the guy from Law & Order, that's about the only um, <laughs> that's about the only thing that I Which like guy? about him. Which oh, guy? Sam, the Sam old, Waterston. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on that show that's on Netflix that I've watched too, um, the Grace and Frankie one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, look, we've had our issues with Oliva in his time here, his hires, his decisions, all this and that. I mean, he's just he's made some some really boneheaded decisions throughout his years as, as the athletic director. So here he is meeting with not just Coach O, and apparently this is a routine thing. He meets with Coach O just about every week, but they decide to bring in the coordinator. So uh, this is where you kind of need to 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 dig deeper and, and and read between the lines of some of the quotes this week because we we heard Coach Joe came out and said, yes, he did meddle in the offense last week. He mm-hmm. said he wanted to get rid of all the shifting and all that. Oh, I thought you said something else there. Whew. And wh- how many points did LSU have at, ha- at halftime? Uh, zero, zero, right? Yeah, big fat zero. So so stay the hell away from the offense, Ed. Wh- Right, so don't, in the second get, half, yeah. they said it got more. they got back more to what Canada was doing, you know, Canada's yeah. offense, why you brought him in. Now, Matt Canada at NC State, I believe, was fired mm-hmm. because, you know, I think from what we heard, he wasn't getting along with the head coach and things like that. What a so, shock. so there is there is precedent for this before. I wonder how much Matt Canada was sitting there going, you know, or if he calls Oliva and goes, "Hey, we gotta have a meeting. I gotta be in on this meeting because this dude, this dude, you guys hired me, said come in and run the offense, and I get this dude meddling in everything I'm doing." Trying to say no, no, no. We're going to simplify it. Like no, the, you, my my offense is not simplified. Yeah, if you have this kind of dysfunction already, and, and you've lost, look at it's easy to get this way when you've obviously lost to Troy the week right. before, and the, the Mississippi State loss sucks. It wouldn't be as bad as it, we wouldn't feel as bad right now if you hadn't had the Troy loss. But when you have this kind of dysfunction and, and all these meetings going on this that or the other, it's just writing the script for a season that is going to end up going down in flames. Here, here's the question. They're, they're, you're zero and one in the conference. You got nothing but SEC games going forward. I could make a case for still finishing four and four. Now that's you'd have to go four and three mm-hmm. over the next couple weeks. Be what seven and six? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Three and two right now. No. Yeah. Yeah. You're three and two. Yeah. So get you seven. I'm not a math person. So, um, well, seven and five. Seven and whatever. But you know. It, that all hinges on them winning this week, and and look. Yeah. First off, Florida's without two of their, you know, they're still without two of their best players in Callaway, the receiver, and Scarlett, the running back. And then on top of it, they they announced this week their leading receiver, Cleveland, is out. McIlwain yesterday officially ruled him out, so they're without all these offensive weapons. They made the change at quarterback to Luke Del Rio; he's out for the year. So now it's back to Felipe Franks, who they don't trust to throw the freaking football. Um, I would load up the box of them, LSU, Same. because you're D, you you've got stud DBs. Now look, they've gotten beaten recent weeks by Syracuse receivers and Troy receivers, whatever. But still, I think more of that is scheme, more of the what you know, 
what uh, you know the packages that Aranda was was putting out there. If I'm if I'm Aranda this week, I'm loading up the box. I'm saying well, we're gonna sh- we're gonna try to stop Florida's run game at all costs, and I'm gonna leave guys like Greedy Williams and Dante Jackson out on islands and say you cover those receivers one on one. They're without two of their best receivers. Right. Cover these. Cover the backups one on one. What we both want to see more than anything is the defense step up and play like an LSU defense. Yes. Simple as that. If the offense can only Shuts can only down. get ten points, the offense can only get ten points. But give me a good old school LSU defensive effort. Yeah, we'll take a 10-7 win. We don't care. Now look, you get Rashard Lawrence back. That's going to help. Maybe him playing hard. Next to guys like Greg Gilmore and guys like that, maybe that motivates Arden Key. Maybe Arden Key sees that and goes, "Hey, I got to play a little bit harder." And maybe the, Arden the, Key has to be the guy that starts or sets the tone. You need you need the huge game, especially here. Like, where has he been? I, what don't is, know. I mean, he's out there on the field, but he's like not doing anything. Just run around, Looks in space, slow. Mm. So, no, I agree with you. I, I want to see a much better effort defensively. And then, look, you get Darius Geis back. That should help. But get back to that run game. You know, and like Arden Key with Darius Geis, if he's healthy and he's back out there, he has to destroy people. Like He has to be the back we all expect him to be for this team to have the success that it should have. In the same Matt Canada offense, James Conner last year at Pitt, you know, races draft stock, ended up getting drafted. A guy, a former cancer patient, ended up getting drafted because of the output that he had in Matt Canada's offense. What does the cancer have there, to do with it? I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying that's what he, that's you know, guy like that. You know, props to him. He fought back and battled yeah. and and all that. But you know, I need Darius guys to, to show up this week. Yes, and I need Big him time. to play hard and and let's get some play calling in his advantage. Darius guys has two passes on the whole season. Two terrible guy like that should get be getting the ball at. I mean, look at how Penn State uses Saquon Barkley. You should right. be doing the same type of stuff. Run the ball with him. Throw the ball to him. Whatever you have to do to get get him involved in the offense. All right, let's grab our first break. When we come back, uh, more to come. Again, bottom of the hour, we'll talk with Bruce Feldman. It's Chris Gordy show right here on Sports 1280 New Orleans. This is Chris Gordy on Sports 1280 New Orleans. Welcome back in. Chris Gordy show here on Sports 1280 New Orleans. We'll talk with Bruce Feldman from Fox Sports here in just a couple minutes. Get his thoughts on Coach O. And um, look, you know, where where's the state of this LSU program? Where do they go from here? They've got issues. I think they should have a boxing match, celebrity celebrity boxing match. You know, like hosted over at Tiger Stadium, sell the tickets out, and fight each other to get your anger out at each other. <laughs> I, I think I'd go for that. Michael, did you see what Cam Newton said yesterday? The great Cam Newton. Oh, what Cam say? Well, he was asked a question by a reporter. Uh, one of the beat writers for the team happens to be a female, uh, 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 you know, a lady. She asked a question to Cam Newton about route running, about Devin Funches, and his, you know, seems to have approved in his route running. Seems like a harmless question, right? I mean, you know, it's, Cam can just answer it and say, yes, you know, I, I have seen that out of Devin. He has improved his route running, and it's it's great to throw the football to him. Good times out on the NFL Football League, you know, field. Here was Cam Newton's response. Does that give you a little bit of an enjoyment to see him kind of truck sticking people out there? It's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Like, it's funny. But uh, fun is coming along, man. We're going we gonna, to, this is a big game for him. <laughs> so Cam Newton, I, I his was... response is, back to her is, it's funny to hear a female ask a question about. And he did all creepy, too. 
about routes. There is one thing that I continue every single year to walk away with uh, from every football season knowing this, and it's something that was reiterated again yesterday. Cam Newton is an idiot. He is so stupid. You can never say this at a podium to a female reporter in 2017. You are a dumbass. You're 28 years old. You've been in the league for years. You get criticized all the time. Then you bitch and moan and you whine and complain and you go cry in your little corner. And then you say things like this. And then you're going to get killed for it because you deserve to be killed for it because it's just stupid. It's just stupid to say that. So there's several layers here. First off, Cam Newton is a dumbass for, for, for saying that. She's a beat writer for the team. Her asking anything football related should not be a surprise to you because exactly. this, this is her job she and covers that's what football. she gets paid for. Now, two, I think it would be a factual statement to say, in general, in America, and, and look, there's a lot of women football fans, but in general, a lot of them won't know the intricacies of football. That's just a. I, I'm just putting that out there. I'm not. You're sexist. I, I'm not trying to say it. I'm just saying that's a general thought. I would agree. Uh, it's and it's not to say that the, there could be there could be thousands and thousands and thousands of women who can break down and, and show you a route a route tree and tell you you know this is a fly route. This is this. This is that. So again, I'm not saying. I'm just saying in a general statement. So that's kind of, you know, that's where his thought process is coming from. That said, you can't say that. You can't say that, and especially oh. to a girl who covers the team. She's out there at practice every day. She's watching. And it's not like she just started there. She's been there a while. Like, she covers the team on a daily basis. She sees all this. So, again, it was very denigrating to her to just be, you know, hear a female ask about route running. That's that's funny. I always, Why is that funny? I always love when an athlete opens up and doesn't say the PC typical stuff. But this is exactly why teams preach and preach and preach and preach to give the PC Regular, easy, quick answer and move along because right. this kind of crap happens and it becomes a distraction and you're the talk of the world today. It Now, like if Cam Newton were speaking to a, a group of, I don't know, let's say like fourth graders at a school and he's taking questions and it's like, what's your favorite color, Cam? You know, <clears throat> things like that. Like, what's your favorite TV show? And then a, a little four-year-old girl gets up there and goes, you know, what do you think of the route running of your receivers? Then that fits. Then Cam Newton, wow, wow to hear a, hear a little kid ask about route running. That's funny. Like, okay, in that grant, in that in that realm, that works. But not in a press conference with beat writers who cover your team on a daily basis, female, male, whatever. He's just incredibly stupid. He's immature. He's just a child. He is a child who's been babied and made his way. He, look, he's an incredible talent. He's he's worthy of his MVP. Got them to the Super Bowl, but. Away from the football field, he's a big baby, and, he, and he's stupid. Now, that said, what happens on social media is mob mentality. Everyone starts to go the other way, defending, you know, how dare you? There are women out there who know more football than you, Cam. Like, that was one. I saw somebody tweet that yesterday. I'm like, okay, let's not be stupid. Yeah, that's just dumb. Like, that, it's, it just becomes this defending. He plays football for his career. Like, we want to. We want to defend the other side so hard that we just go overboard. Like, yes, there are plenty of, like, I don't even know why. There's this okay is, to be, have a middle ground. Like, in, exactly. In, but nobody remembers that in anything exactly. we do now. Like, to me, it's not even an issue. Being in locker rooms for, for years and all that, there's female reporters that have gone from just, you know, let, let's be honest, 10, 15 years ago, there were female reporters, you know, at football games who were just sideline reporters. You right. Know, the Michelle Tafoyas, the Pam Olivers. Like, that's now we got that's Beth how you Mons got into the life. field. Uh, yeah, now you got Beth Moans who does play-by-play. But think about all the team. Like, a uh, girl went to LSU with Catherine, 
uh, Terrell. She she covers the Bengals. Like it's she's the beat writer for the for ESPN covering the Bengals. Like it's we've 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 broadened our horizons. Like women and men, journalists alike, can cover football teams and be the beat writer for that team and all that. So we, again, we've we've come a long way, but. Again, I, I, I go both ways on this. I could, one, Cam Newton, just very stupid comment to, to make. But two, the other extreme of, you know, every woman knows way more than football about football than you, Cam. Like, come on, let's relax. Like, we can defend people and we don't have to go all the way on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. If, if it, go, it all leads back to the one point, though. You cannot say something that's stupid. It's as simple as that. Right. You just cannot do it. And you know what? Good for him for creating a distraction for his team. The Saints are chasing, so good with it. So uh, so my girlfriend knows a lot about football. She's just being around me all the time. But before she even met me, she was a huge sports fan. She knew knew about a lot of stuff. She used to be a big Eagles fan. Mm-hmm. Loved Michael Vick there, loved Donovan McNabb and all that. We're at a Super Bowl party back in February talking with uh, a national ESPN guy. Yeah. And this guy used to cover the Eagles, and we're talking with him, and she says something about, oh, yeah, you know, I loved, um, you know, I used to love the Eagles and start citing a couple games and a couple scores and things like that. He was literally, his mouth, his jaw dropped and went, wow, you know a lot about football. And I, even I was like, like, I laughed a little, I'm like, yeah, she does. And it, But it was kind of like this, I wanna- wait a minute, like. Are you, you are you being him in the mouth? I'm like, are you being real? Should punch him. You should put him punched him right in the mouth. His comment was literally, "I've never met a girl who knows this much about football." I'm like, she's just stay. She's giving like scores and like certain plays in a game. It's not like she was, like I said, oh, so breaking down right. Down. Way to go. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just, kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. saying, like, it, and maybe that's the mentality. Maybe that's the mentality we still have to break through in a lot of people. But yeah, we do. Um, uh, I'll say that we definitely do. It's just. I, if if I was the only, if I was what's his face Jerry Richardson I would I would like sit Cam down and say all right dumbass I'm I'm not gonna pay you for the next like year or something because you you're stupid that's that's all this is just it all leads back to the being stupid well this this comes a week after he said that he made the quote that Colin Kaepernick paid the ultimate sacrifice yes, very yeah ultimate which for, sac- I didn't know he for anyone who's I, lost their life in war yep. would argue the other the yep. you know. Uh, just po- poor word choice there by Cam. He took the ultimate sacrifice by taking a knee and not playing in the NFL and opting out of his own contract that he didn't have to. I get what Cam was trying to say. I, I don't. But he used the wrong words. No. And here again, he used the wrong words. Cam Newton needs to go sit down with a PR guy and figure things out moving forward. Yeah, I, I will not relate to anything that Cam Newton ever says. All right, quick break. Keep we- dressing like an idiot, too. <laughs> I keep saying he, he like raids like your grandmother's closet. It truly goes to estate sales all over the greater Charlotte area. He wear, What was he wearing last week? Like a top hat with spectacles? I'm He's like, what year is yeah. this? He dresses like uh, Hollywood from uh, the old mannequin movies, for anybody who remembers those. It's right. a little different. Let's uh, we'll grab a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk with Bruce Feldman, Fox Sports 1. Going to join us, talk a little bit about Ed Ogeron, and where's the LSU, where does the LSU program go from here? Talk with Bruce Feldman right after this. It's Chris Gordy Show. Stay there. This is Drew Holiday of your New Orleans Pelicans, and you're listening to The Chris Gordy Show.
Welcome back into the show. Chris Gordy Show here on Sports 1280. A pleasure now to be joined by this guy, Bruce Feldman. Joined the show a couple weeks ago. Happy to have him on once again. Works with FS1. He's going to be part of the broadcast team this Saturday calling West Virginia and TCU. We'll talk about that game in a, in a bit. Bruce, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Always fun to catch up with you and talk with you. And I guess close to home, uh, folks locally are a little concerned about their football team when it comes to uh, the LSU Tigers. It is not a good state of the program right now, Bruce. Your general thoughts on where this program is, year one of Ed Ogeron falling over the weekend to a a heavy underdog in Troy. Uh, Where does this program go from here? You know, I think they have to start picking up the pieces and we're going to see how much how tough this team is because you know, I don't want to say there's there's no excuse for having Troy beat you, but you know what? Last year, Troy was in a game. They almost beat the, the, the team that won the national title, Clemson. But still, I just think you can't get mauled at the line of scrimmage. You give out so much rushing yards, which is similar to what happened against Mississippi State when they got blown out. And keep in mind, that Mississippi State team has gotten destroyed the last two weeks by a score of like 89 to 10. So I think that... Yeah, they're really young, and yeah, they're banged up on both lines. Uh, I think you got to watch and see how much fight they have in them. Now, having said all that, I do think some of the re- there's been a lot of overreaction to this. And for the people who think that Ed Ogeron is the same guy he was at Ole Miss or same head coach, I think they're they haven't been paying attention because when he was at USC and he was the was the interim head coach. They beat Stanford when they were a top-five team and won a bunch of games. I mean, last year, obviously, they did. They blew out Louisville in the bowl game. It's not like that stuff didn't happen. But I think right now, the leadership of this team, you know, they got to they got to step up because it's year one, but you got to give something to build. And, I, I mean, I do think that they'll continue to get better, but I'm very interested to see how they respond because this is a young team. The last time they went on the road, they looked awful against Mississippi State. And Florida's going to want to put a big number on them because the last year, especially with that rivalry that's heated up. So I want to see how, you know, how tough and how physical this team is, but also want to get disciplined because they've had some problems with penalties in the past. And let's see if they get that cleaned up. I think you make an interesting point of about uh, Coach O, and, and nobody would know him better than, than you. Uh, you know, the book that you wrote covering him when he was at Ole Miss. Uh, well, comparing and contrasting his career when he was there, the head coach at Ole Miss, to now, some people have said right now the the O that, that we saw last year, the rah rah, you know, energy drink guy who was uh, clapping his hands, getting everybody motivated. They said this year he's just a little bit more subdued, and part of that is because he's trying to put on that air of I'm the head coach, I need to be more reserved, and I need to be more you know uh, less emotional. But a lot of people are saying that's not you, O. That's not what got you here. Do, do you see any of that in him? You know, I think he's still the same, you know, same temperament as last year. I think some of the things that have changed is you have just, it's a different team right now. I mean, if you look at it, I think that, uh, you know, I think they're still kind of finding their way as a staff. And I think that, um, you know, moving on has been, has been challenging just as you look at, okay, where's the leadership of this team? Your two best players, uh, one on offense and one on defense, haven't played much. You know, and I think that when you when your leadership is kind of still trying to figure it out, I think that puts, especially when they're they're young, I think that puts people in a in a weird place. And I think this is why it's really critical for him as a head coach. I think for him to connect with this team and just kind of figure out, okay, look, we can't do anything about the last two games or the last couple of games. We have to figure out how are we going to get better. And I think 
there's got to be a level of accountability that's on everybody, and certainly it starts with that coach. This Saturday could be a turning point for the season if they're able to get a win. Look, Florida's 3-0 in the conference already. Uh, they get a win this Saturday. They'll already be 4-0 halfway through the, the SEC slate. But with this Florida team, I mean, look, it took a, a Hail Mary pass to beat Tennessee when they were headed to overtime with them. It took a, a goal line, you know, last-minute touchdown against Kentucky to, to beat them. So it's not like this team is, is infallible at all. But uh, I mean, if LSU goes into the swamp and gets a win on Saturday in Florida, how would LSU win on Saturday? What would be the storyline on Saturday? I think it would be that LSU looked in the mirror and was like, hey, this is not acceptable. We've got to be a tougher team. Uh, I think it would help having Rashad Lawrence. I mean, he's basically the leader of the defensive line. I mean, that's where they they were bad going into the season, I think, on the offensive line, and some of that has already been exposed. But I think on the defensive front, they've been pretty depleted. And, you know, it's not going to get any easier. they got Auburn coming up. Uh, I think what's going to be a big issue for them is going on the road in a very hostile environment. They did not respond well to that at Mississippi State, and I think that's going to be every bit as nasty going into the swamp. And if they're not ready for it, if they put on the same kind of performance that they put on against Mississippi State, they'll lose by 30 again. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, look in the mirror. you got some talented guys, but they're going to have to be way more focused and way more disciplined than they were the last couple times they've gone out. Talking with Bruce Feldman, the sideline reporter for Fox Sports 1. He'll be joining the broadcast team, Aaron Goldsmith and Brady Quinn, to call West Virginia at TCU on Saturday on FS1, 2.30 local time here. Uh, Bruce, on this game, look, I, I've been very impressed with TCU this year and the job that Gary Patterson's done, Kenny Hill there, quarterback. Uh, look, the, st- the story for years with, with Gary Patterson was the defense, and then this year it just seems to be that offense. I mean, they've been scoring a ton of points, and then on the flip side, Will Greer, the former Gator quarterback, really clicking in that West Virginia Dana Holgerson offense this one should be a really good one on Saturday yeah I think so I mean look you're right Will Greer has played very well they're taking a lot of shots downfield they also run the ball well defensively they've really struggled they only had two starters coming back they're going to get a big boost from David Long he's the best linebacker maybe in the big 12 or certainly that West Virginia's had in a long time he's been out with a meniscus injury they really need him to come back but also TCU is going to get healthier because they get Kyle Hicks. He'll be back. He was a 1,000-yard back, a really good, good receiver out of the backfield. And as you said, Kenny Hill has played so much better because he's taken, the, taken care of the football. And I think we know Gary Patterson as a defensive coach. I think last year West Virginia was out for revenge in this game. They, they whipped TCU. I think it was 36-10. to 10. It was the most lopsided loss Patterson's had since getting into the Big 12. And I think now it's the chance for them to get some payback. And we saw they got payback a couple of weeks ago at Oklahoma State. Uh, we had done that Oklahoma State game where they it was in, it was at TCU last year, and TCU just got whipped. And then they got some payback, and let's see if the payback tour continues this week against West Virginia. He is Bruce Feldman. He will be on the sidelines for that game, TCU West Virginia Saturday on FS1. Bruce, thanks for the time, man. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks a lot, Bruce Feldman, college football writer for many, many years and college football uh, sideline reporter now for Fox Sports 1. Appreciate him for uh, taking some time jumping on with us. And look, like I said, the, the, if anybody knows Ed Ogeron, it's him. He spent a, a full season with him and covering him writing his, his book, Meat Market, and his time at, at Ole Miss and how he recruited there. And, you know, it, it, again, you talk to different people and it just seems like it's a different Ed Ogeron now, a little bit different from the guy who was just the interim coach a year ago. And maybe part of that is he's just trying to put on that, hey, you know, I'm the I'm the head coach. I gotta act like it. Well, 
No, we hired you to be Ed Ogeron, the the wild the wild guy, the guy who pounds energy drinks and goes to work every day wanting nothing more than to win a football game. So we'll see what happens with Ed Ogeron uh, as this rolls on. But uh, again, this is a big turning point on Saturday. You go into this game against Florida in the Swamp, and if you get a win, season is very much still alive. Things can kind of start to turn around. If you go in and lose to Florida, man, oh man, does the season start to spiral out of control. We'll take a, a quick break. We'll come back. A whole lot more to get to here on the Chris Gordy Show this morning. Stay there. Back to the Chris Gordy Show on Sports 1280, New Orleans. Welcome back in, Chris Gordy Show, Sports 1280, New Orleans. Appreciate Bruce Feldman for jumping on with us there. Talk a little bit about some of the games this weekend, including LSU and Florida. That schedule sucks this weekend, though. We looked at it the other day. Yeah, I mean, the in order of games I'm interested in, Florida, LSU is up there, obviously. Um, Alabama A&M, I just want to see if Alabama can win by four touchdowns. Oh, God, we even talked about what Saban said yesterday. Did you, did you hear oh, that? Oh, yeah. we got to play that yeah. at some point. The most insensitive like being in the world. Robot machine, Nick Saban says football, something stupid. Football robot. It's just the worst. He basically, they ask him basically about. Oh, we got in the in our system here. Do we? Yeah, in a BME audio there, it's there. All right, let's play it. Here was Nick Saban being asked about his Texas players who were affected by Hurricane Harvey. You know, we did a lot of things for our players in Texas, especially those that had issues uh, relative to the, you know, hurricane or flooding. Um, you know, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest with you. Maybe that's a mistake on our part, but I haven't really thought about it. You know, we sort of go on these trips like they're a business trip, and uh, that's what we should be focused on. And, um, you know, it's kind of like my dad used to tell me, you know, when I used to go to work at the station, my girlfriend broke up with me, so I was treating the customers bad. And um, he said, what's wrong with you today? And I said, my girlfriend broke up with me. He said, well, you know, you got one problem, but if you keep treating the customers bad, you're going to have two more. I'm going to fire you, and then I'm going to whip your ass for getting fired. So you're not going to have a girlfriend, you're not going to have a job, uh, and you're going to get your tail whipped. So whatever happened in the hurricane happened, and it's a bad thing, and we want to support everybody every way we can. And we certainly did that as much as we could. But... If we don't go out there and play a good game, they're going to have all the problems that they had from the hurricane, and then we're going to have a problem that we lost. So it kind of goes back to what my dad said, I think. I mean, what it makes it so awkward with the podium tab. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, well, I think it's also he's starting to realize there that he shouldn't have said that. Yeah. What? It's basically like it's. I get it from I get it from the standpoint of you want it to be a business trip and it's about a business trip, but you can't say maybe we should have done more. We didn't do it. like that. Sounds incredibly insensitive. Yeah, we, caught, we probably could have done more, but you know, it's well we're past that. I mean, if your home's damaged in a hurricane, it's still gonna be damaged tomorrow anyway. So let's go focus on football, guys. From that standpoint, like, like I get that's it. what he's if, saying. If you walked away alive, but everything's it just, fine. But comes across as so insensitive. Yeah, though. it comes across as very Nick Saban. <laughs> like just, I mean, my dad said, you know, if you, you know, you're upset because your girlfriend broke up with you. 
Although, if you don't focus on your job, you're going to get fired. Now you ain't have that to worry about. Like, good Lord. Like, not even a comparison there. Like, they don't. No, I think that one's actually not bad. Like, they tr- look, you, you've gone through a breakup before, right? Yeah, but. And when but, the first, when it gets you really bad, if it happens, like some of them that get you, that carries, it stays with you everywhere you go throughout days and weeks. But that's not a, like a, hur- a hurricane, is, like, destroys your home and, like, you know, you, you have family members displaced and things like that. Like, he, he should have just said, yeah, look, I mean, we, we, you know, we did our, we did all we could, and those guys, if they have any issues, you know, off the field, you know, we'll deal with them. Instead of him saying, "Shut up, quit whining, focus on football, we got a game to win, boy," you playing for me or not? Like that's what it comes across as. Very insensitive from Nick Saban. It's very insensitive, but good lord, I get the what a football robot. I get the analogies. You know, making, you know the I story guess. after they won the national championship in in '04 or '03 rather. The um, you know, you know, literally the next morning after. The uh, after the championship, Saban calls Matt Mock, and it's like, "Hey, coach, so excited! Wasn't it? What a great win a title! Yeah, yeah, Matt, it was. Hey, listen, I need to know right now: Are you coming back next year?" Mock's like, "Wait, what? Like, coach, we just won the championship. Yeah, yeah, but I gotta know right now: Are you coming back?" He's a businessman. I mean, it is complete. It is like it's no time to enjoy a win. It's well, so on to the next one. Like the one, like he's typically there's the three guys that are compared to each other. It's him, Popovich, Greg Popovich, and, uh, and uh, Bill, Bill Belichick. The other two guys wouldn't have ever said what Nick Saban said yesterday. No, and they didn't. Bill Belichick went to the podium after the hurricane and wore a University of Houston hat. Yeah, and talked about hurricane relief, and then donated money to JJ Watts. Then absolutely, like, <laughs> come Saban, on, Nick. Saban said, "I got football. I got football games to worry about. I don't have time for hurricane Nick, relief. Nick, Nick. That I don't have being time said, for charity stuff. His team is going to murder AM this weekend, and I'm going to enjoy it. the The funniest part of that of that uh, press conference yesterday, or that, or that quote, was watching all the Alabama turds on Twitter defend him. Oh, the, I mean, Coach is just, he's just the best. I'm like, oh my God. Like, Why you got to put the voice on there? It's like, it's, did, it's like, did you, did you tweet each individual and say, have you ever had sex with your sister or cousin? <laughs> well, probably should. It's like Clay Travis always says, if Nick Saban gets accused of murder, Alabama fans will come out and say, well, I'm sure, I'm sure it was a misunderstanding or I'm sure he deserved it. You know, like they're going to defend his actions no matter what. Yeah. He will um forever be safe in that state forever. It's amazing how he's run such a clean program there with all those high level. Do you not believe that he has recruits? No, I believe it. I mean, I believe at this point maybe there was stuff probably in the past. There are guys who were getting paid or receiving I, cars, yeah, or getting sure, stuff but, on but campus. But at this point, I bet you you don't have to do it that way. Like seriously, what, what's the? There's no there's no benefit for him because everybody wants to play there. That's the same thing I feel with Calipari in Kentucky. Like they don't. Everybody's like, oh, Kentucky's next. No, I think Kentucky does it absolutely clean because they realize. The players realize I'm going to go there for for a semester and a half, and then I'm going to the pros. Like they don't have to pay me anything. I'm going to get paid. I don't need money. You know, it's these top recruits that go to SMU. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> SMU when all the players are going to Baylor. Yeah, you know? you're not selling them on the program there. Right. It's about something else. So simple as that. But yeah, you know, I, I partly agree with you. But again, we've seen every one of these big time recruits that go to Alabama. Suddenly, a, oh, look, month, I have no doubt. suddenly yeah. a month on, a month later on Instagram, here's my new Tahoe. Like, oh, oh that's amazing that I, you can afford that car all of a sudden. Yeah, when I was in high school, there was a kid. It was it was my freshman year, and he was a senior, and he was a big time, you know, high, or decently recruited linebacker. 
ended up going ended up going to Oklahoma State. Nobody really expected him to go to Oklahoma State. And then he came back after the first season of the high school and he was driving a brand new Dodge Charger with rims and everything. It's like this guy never even had a car yeah. before that. I will say the LSU baseball program is is run clean. Blake Dean drove the piece of crap car throughout his, his senior year. I'm like, I felt bad. I'm like, Blake, can we get you a trade-in, man? Like it, something? If there's, if, if there's one guarantee in life, it's baseball programs being clean. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, for Our number one is in the books. Our number two will get started in just a couple minutes. We'll talk with Greg Bedard, national NFL writer. We'll get his thoughts on the Saints and where they are two and two in this bye week this week before they get the Lions next week. It's Chris Gordy Show. Stay there.